0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Il Postino. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that the plot might be spoiled for you. Enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy. Hey, there you
0: are. My...
1: ill Postino.
0: I was I was seeing if you were going to finish it for me and you
1: didn't. Well, you said my and then I got confused.
0: My Postino means
1: the postman. The
0: postman. My Naruda. Come on, dude.
1: Okay, no, no. I was, I was thinking of my version, which actually my wife came up with, which was "Il Pastino."
0: <laughs> that was quite the, good. My, my I was trying
1: to come up with some words, but I couldn't.
0: My uh, my alternative was uh, once again with the "Il Pastino," with the "Il Pastino," with the "Il Pastino."
1: Because <laughs> you're illin, right? Yeah, exactly. Like Run DMC, that was like, yeah, the joke I always say is that my rapper name would be Il Postino, you know, I-double-L.
0: Um, yeah, the original... I'm
1: a postman, but i got rhymes.
0: The original renegade master, <laughs> Pablo <Papua> Neruda.
1: <laughs> Once again for the renegade postman.
0: <laughs> um, so, we watched a movie called Il Postino. We did. We did. It's something you'd seen before. Is that right?
1: Yes, um, When I Was a Child. So it's one of my granny's favourite films and it was one of those films that's, you know, it's on VHS at your grandparents' house and they're showing it to you and you don't really have any idea what's going on but you know that it's like a nice thing and I think it was the first time I'd really seen Italy on film. So the the kind of idyllic idea of Italy being just like some islands where people live and sometimes the running water ones runs out as you know something that I think stayed with me for a while but I hadn't seen this film since I was a small child so my my recollections of it weren't necessarily of you know the actual action or whatever really happened I just remember that there was a postman who fell in love and then there was somebody helped him with poetry and then he died and that was that was all I could really remember but it's like it occupies a special place for me as like a film that I associate with my grandparents and my grandparents' house and watching films with my grandparents as being a thing, you know. Yes. Did you have films yeah. like that? Like did people when you were growing up? Did you go to other people and like watch films at other people's houses and that's the thing?
0: Um, I suppose so. I mean, we we didn't see much of sort of my grandparents and things like that when I was younger because a lot of them had unfortunately passed away um, before I was born. Um, but I suppose you do have those kind of nostalgia movies um so so for a lot of a lot of them, it's things that I watched when I was a kid with my brother and things like that um yeah, as opposed to with with grandparents but yeah, there are those certain movies where you you really love them um,
1: I guess that's the trade off I don't have any siblings, but I've got grandparents, so it's like I've got a bunch of old siblings but that's
0: really good, cause, because they're adults, they can buy you things whereas other children can't do that.
1: No, they can't. They're rubbish. Oh, <laughs> well, rubbish. Some of them don't even have any concept of money.
0: Exactly. It's disgraceful behaviour, isn't it? Quite simply. Yeah.
1: And I think this must have been one of the first films I saw with subtitles as well. So I was like, wait, I have to read as well? I think a lot of the time I was kind of tuning out and my granny was explaining the film to me very patiently. It must have been seven or eight maybe.
0: Yeah, I was very disappointed that you... Um, that you made me watch a movie where I had to read because reading is for chumps
1: readings for nerds <laughs> exactly I made you a nerd this whole um this whole episode was just a plot to to reveal you as a nerd, yeah, because like I said I actually didn't watch the film or I watched it, but I didn't read the subtitles, <laughs> and I don't speak Italian so it's you just do, like, you just put yeah. some
0: you put some duct tape along the bottom of your screen, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, like the conspiracy people who put that over the um camera on their laptop, yeah, exactly it's like that. Exactly. Very, very anti-subtitles, me. Can't deal with it. Yeah. Shouldn't be allowed in cinema. No.
0: Not going to the cinema to read.
1: I don't go to the cinema to read. Speaking of conspiracies, I went to the barber's yesterday, and it turns out there's the amazing local barber that I found who last time cut my hair, you know, brilliantly, and we just had the kind of nice, normal, small talk as you have. Turns out he's a massive conspiracy nut And he spent the whole time like while he was cutting my hair Not only talking to me about 5G and vaccines and all of All of the, the big hits But like showing me Facebook videos Of people talking about this stuff While I was getting my hair cut So obviously because <laughs> he's cutting my hair He's holding scissors very close to my ears and my face There's nothing you can do is there
0: That's incredible That's the perfect yeah. indoctrination space isn't it It's not like you can get up and leave when you're halfway through a haircut
1: Yeah So I can't go back <laughs>
0: Or go back with your own conspiracy theories. I'm bringing back Big Scuba here. <laughs> Big Scuba, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, well, uh, we didn't get onto Flat Earth, so I think that's going to be my next thing. I'm genuinely going to go back next time I need a haircut and see if I can find some Flat Earth videos to show him you and see how he reacts. You should.
0: Is that a step too far for him?
1: That Maybe, the yeah. Um, but he's, uh, in, in, the common, in today's parlance, a mask hole. Someone who doesn't wear a mask when he should be wearing a mask. <laughs> Not when he's cutting my hair. You know, he wears the visor thingy, but he told but me that he doesn't wear a mask out and about. And
0: just just like, goes around yeah, spitting on. in children's mouths, things like that. Just to mm-hmm. be, a, be a conscientious citizen. Um,
1: yeah, so that's, that's how my week has been. Lovely Italian film. And then, actually, speaking of which, the barber, he's Italian. So, you know, I've I've had both sides of Italy this week, I suppose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you've had you've had the beautiful island full of communists, and then you've had yep. conspiracy theory barber.
1: Yep, and in between them is the famous Cuban poet Pablo Neruda. <laughs> the
0: famous Cuban poet. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. For our listeners, we
1: know he's from Chile, but Rob texted me earlier today that he was Cuban. Yeah, I had <laughs> by, a, by mistake.
0: Yeah, I, I had a brain fart when I was texting. Um, Pablo Guevara <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, but and I didn't
1: know much about Pablo Neruda either. I have now ordered a book of his poems out of interest, and it's it's called like twenty love poems and something else. So I'm hoping I'm going to enjoy some sexy poems because it's been a while since I read any sexy poems. It's. But my knowledge of Pablo Neruda mostly comes from The Simpsons.
0: When's he mentioned in the Simpsons? like most things?
1: And it's in the what is possibly my favorite Simpsons episode of all time, which is Bart sells his soul. And, um, somebody, I think it's Lisa quotes to him that Pablo Neruda said that, um, laughter is the language of the soul.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And no. then I think there's a gag after that, but I have forgotten what the gag was because that line <laughs> stuck with me so much.
0: Very good. Very good.
1: Also in that episode that I <laughs> that stayed with me is obviously he sells his soul to Milhouse for $5 and Milhouse has got it in a piece of paper and he's playing with the lid like his soldier's. Um, like tanks and toy soldiers lined up and Bart's watching him and it's like he goes, if the Ayatollah can't have it no one can and then the (laughs) tank runs over the piece of paper. I don't know why that stayed with me
0: (laughs) That is incredible. I remember from that episode where he's bought those little sponge dinosaurs
2: (laughs) Yeah
1: and they're supposed to get massive and then it just like grows a little bit and then like flows into the drain (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah
1: Actually, that episode starts with um, "Welcome to the Simpsons Cast." I'm sure there are a thousand podcasts out there discussing every Simpsons episode in detail, but it starts with the the organist doing "In a Garden of Eden," or as um, the priest says, "In the Garden of Eden" by Iron Butterfly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which I do, I do. Yeah, it's so good that bit. It's one of the best openings of The Simpsons. Yeah, um, it,
1: is, it is fantastic.
0: So, so something interesting about Pablo Neruda is the kind of controversy around him. I don't know if you know much about this, but it's...
1: I know a bit about his life he, and stuff. He's a,
0: but... It's claimed that he he raped someone, although the extent of this has never been fully established, where it seems as though there's, there's maybe a rape that he accounts in his memoirs, but it was never discussed during his lifetime. So it's really weird. And and it is this kind of it's this kind of black mark on him where some sort of um in in Chile there's a big controversy around him within feminist movements where, you know, did did this happen, are we right to 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 sort of praise a man who might have done this? um but yeah so it's, i did not know yeah, that yeah it's it's very odd and it seems as though it's a very much a gray area i suppose because you're looking at something that happened in like the 1920s or 1930s that is briefly mentioned in a memoir of a man who often uses metaphors for other things um and so yeah it's um it, it's one of those things that seems to have kind of stuck but it's come long after his death um
1: yeah so it didn't. It didn't come out in his lifetime.
0: No, I don't think so. I think it was just when his memoirs were published. Um, oh, it's this okay. kind of ambiguous thing that comes up there, but it's it's yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and it's it's funny seeing a movie that portrays him based on the 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 the, the dialogue that he has in his works, um, then there being this context around it which is, it it doesn't seem to have become an international thing very much based in Chile um, and and some of the feminist movements there um, where it's, yeah I I just find it quite interesting that there is this movie that kind of has him as this great romantic um, Yeah,
1: and this really inspiring, important historical figure When did he die? Because it's based on um, a novel that obviously was written um in the eighties, I think. Oh so he would have been dead yes, before any of this yeah. happened. He died in nineteen
0: seventy three. He was just too much your behaviour got to him. Yeah. Well he, he another, age 69. Another fascinating thing about him is that he was potentially killed off by Pinochet. Yeah. Is uh, is, is is what has been suggested as well. Um so yeah it's a it's a Interesting life of a of a communist poet who might have been killed by a big old dictator, but spent a little bit of time on an island in Italy teaching a postman to love.
1: Yeah, which is great. I think people in exile is always quite good, um, quite fertile ground for films, isn't it? So someone exiled to a different country or in some kind of lockup, they end up being... Charmed by, you know, someone locally is is quite a nice thing. I can't think of anything any other stories off the top of my head like that, but it's always a good setting, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean that's how I live my life. I have been exiled.
1: <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> well we've all we've all kind of been exiled, <laughs> have not we? By the Rona. By the Rona.
0: Um yeah, I, I I was exiled before the Rona down to Sussex, the land of Yeah, I packed you off. You did. You put me in a I box. I sent you away. <laughs> Don't come back. <laughs> um yeah but yeah until
1: you learn how to love <laughs>
0: yeah and that's how we started doing this podcast that is how we started doing this podcast
1: it's until rob learns how to love yeah have you well, so i guess i should check in have you learned how to love yet
0: i've learned how to live on an italian island is that love
1: maybe i've it learned is. what
0: a metaphor is is that love
1: yeah they talk about metaphor a lot in this film don't they, they do
0: they do um and it's it, it's a long word. It is an interesting movie. I think the sort of historical context around it and just the atmosphere of the film is really what makes it enjoyable to watch, doesn't it? Is is because not a lot happens. There's a lot of there's a lot of um just sitting around talking and talking more and then seeing nice bits of Italy. Um because he was he was um in exile on Capri, wasn't he? Or Capri.
1: Yes. And obviously this this island is the one that's um it's actually quite close in close proximity to Naples, isn't it? I can't yeah. what is the island called? Porcini? That that's a type of mushroom. <laughs> uh, it's proceda. something like that. Prosida, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um but you know, it's uh, the landscape is similar, isn't it?
0: Yes, yeah. Um and it's interesting because we have watched another movie set in that part of the world, which is um, oh god, what was it called? The um, the one about the the mutant woman who's a mythical creature. Oh, Spring! Spring, that's right. Yeah, which I is, totally forgot which about is that. Also set around it? here. I wonder if
1: I, when you said that, I thought that we must have watched some horrible Netflix comedy about a bunch of people going there on holiday and falling in love with a sexy Italian man or whatever.
0: <laughs> That's next time. Which, which I'm not saying I wouldn't watch. No, I'd watch that. I'd watch that. Um, yeah, um, yeah, Spring is, is set in the same area, isn't it? Because it finishes at Pompeii. Um, yeah. So it's all in the same sort of area, which is very interesting. It's clearly a place of love. And it makes me wonder whether the, the woman from Spring, canonically at some point, had a little fling with, uh, with Pablo Neruda.
1: Oh yeah, because she's like um, timeless. Yes, so she's yeah. through the ages. She regenerates or whatever. So the, maybe the woman who was there with Pablo Neruda, maybe that was her. Maybe, maybe. Um, oh, interesting. That's canon. Head canon. <laughs> that's
0: canon now. Just um,
1: like how, um, just like how Pablo Neruda's from Cuba. <laughs> yeah, <canon. laughs>
0: famous, famous Cuban poet Pablo Neruda. Um, yeah,
1: famous two thousand and two. New metal band Head Cannon.
0: <laughs> so it's spelled like it's a It's spelled H
1: E D. Yeah. <laughs> and then in brackets, canon. Yeah.
0: Um, so, what, one thing that I found very interesting about this as well is a movie that has communists as its heroes, I don't think would be made today. I think no. they would be far too afraid of upsetting the vocal right wing. Upsetting the Americans, yeah, and but but even even more than that, you know, is nowadays everybody's a Marxist. Joe Biden, fam- famous war hawk <laughs> and skeptic <laughs> of universal healthcare, Joe Biden is called a Marxist by Fox News. Um, yeah, and it's it's just like what <laughs> what is going on?
1: What do you think Ben Shapiro would make of Il Postino?
0: I, I think he would be desperately saying, "This isn't how you woo a woman." <laughs>
1: Yep. She's gotta be bone dry.
0: <laughs> ben Shitiro.
1: Um, <laughs> I thought shit Pyro. <laughs> shit Pyro. <laughs> which is uh, actually, uh that's not my own invention, unfortunately. The um the CEO of the Toronto Blue Jays, my team is called Mark Shapiro, and I've seen fans referring to him as Mark shit pyro in fan forums.
0: No shit. Which pyro. is very unjust and unfair. No shit party. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that's uh... <laughs> Yeah, um I, I I think it's really interesting that there is this movie from the nineties, you know, it's after the fall of, of um European communism. Um yeah. that is very much cast them as these kind of heroes and portrays, you know, police violence as a bad thing and talks about the corruption of, of the of the centre right at that time. Um, yeah. The the party that wins, the Christian Democrats, win an election at the end of this movie, and and yeah. that scene is the guy who's
1: always in his blazer. Yes, sneaky guy. Never trust anyone He looks a bit like um, a bit like Mark Steele. <laughs>
0: Did yes, you think that? Yeah, I did think that. <laughs> um so um so yeah, it immediately shows the corruption of that party, which is interesting because it eventually got destroyed in it. Welcome to the Italian political history cast, everybody. Um but that party eventually fell apart in the early nineties, um, where it was this big it was this big kind of collective that kind of grabbed people from all sides of the political sphere unless they were a communist or a fascist. So anyone that was in that middle ground was there, and basically anyone who thought oh, I don't want the communists to win, and I don't want the fascists to win. We'd better throw in our lot with these guys instead. Um, yeah. It's 100%. an early
1: incarnation of the centrist dad.
0: Exactly, exactly. The, the Italian centrist dad. He's, he wants a pizza, but he can't have it too crispy or too deep. Centrist
1: head. rad. <laughs>
0: um but um but yeah so so they were they, they were a huge and, and dominant force in italian politics basically from from the 50s through to the 90s when there was this huge corruption scandal um where it turned out that loads of them were were, were dirty some of them were working very very closely with the mafia and it all kind of fell apart and then about a decade later came silvio our boy Silvio. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> man. To, is he still alive? He is still alive. He is now an MEP.
2: Oh, good.
0: He he was massively corrupt, got done for corruption, and then got let out very quickly because he's mates with everyone, and then he ran for European Parliament and is now uh, an MEP.
1: Because he's mates with everyone and he's got a lot of
0: money. Exactly. Um, our, our boy Silvio, the the most famous of all Italian politicians... Um <laughs>
1: there's him and then there's who's the guy, the comedian who got in after him? Oh that yes. was a thing, wasn't yeah.
0: it? Um and obviously the 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 fascist as well <laughs> is relatively yep. well known. Um but um but yeah, it's 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 interesting. Italian politics is a very interesting thing. Um where yeah. it's it's kind of run on Cooperation and collaboration a lot between different parties, much, much more so than over here, where it's seen as a crisis if one party doesn't have complete dominion over the entirety of government. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. It's if there isn't one ruling
1: party of Tofts, who you should be naturally deferential to because it's their place to rule, it's a political crisis. Yes, exactly. In the UK, exactly.
0: Um, so, so it's interesting the ways in which in which different countries look at politics in that way, um, but but particularly that sort of post World War Two era of Italy is very interesting, and you've got, you know, the, the the same disparities that you have now in terms of wealth and in terms of production and things like that, and it's quite fascinating to see this little snapshot of a, of a tiny island in in the 1950s in Italy. Um, and and the kind of open communism that was there because i think if i if i said to work oh yeah i'm a communist um i probably get disciplinary action <laughs> you
1: know <laughs> it depends on the context surely if you set up a, like a Zoom call just to tell them that, then yeah, they'd be like, why are you wasting my time? But if you just drop it in casually into a conversation, you might get away with maybe,
0: it. Maybe, maybe. But I definitely get some side eye. And I, it's the kind of thing where you do think if you came out as a, as a communist, it would probably damage your your chances in terms of promotions and things like that if you were that staunchly to one side of the political spectrum, particularly something that left wing. Um, and and, yeah. and and so it's really interesting seeing seeing an era where that kind of political discourse was was much more open. Um, you know, the, the the Italian Communist Party used to get quite a lot of votes every year. Um, yeah, it's set in election. 1950. Yeah, isn't it, yeah. So time. so it's really interesting that way. And 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 I, and I found all of that element a lot more interesting. So I, I'd never seen this before. It's one of those. It's a DVD that sat on my parents' DVD like um like case. For, for years and years and years, I never watched it. Um, but but I found all of that side of things a lot more interesting than the main romance story, which yeah is quite basic. Um, to 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 be honest, um,
1: like it. But really, you, that you're talking about the the romance between the man and the woman. But really, I think this film is about the romance between a man and the written word. Or really, it's about a, a, a bromance between him and Pablo Neruda. Yeah, it, or a sort of the admiration that he has for Pablo Neruda becoming a form of love and a form of kinship which is an int- i find it really interesting to see that, that that transformation and the way that it evolves i think that's what really gripped me about this yeah and that's
0: right is is although it's framed as this romantic movie in fact the main driving force is um is the bromance really um, yeah, which is good. It's a it's a good bromance between them, and you see that kind of growing um, respect um, between the two of them, and, and and that kind of nurturing element as well. Um, you know, you know, not quite as good as Captain Corelli's Mandolin in terms of <laughs> a foreigner turns up on a on Italian island.
1: Did we watch that? Oh, of course we did. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Cage. Oh my god. Wait, that um, prompted the cage challenge.
0: It did. From the cage challenge.
1: Go on YouTube and search hashtag cage challenge for more information. <laughs> if you if you, that passed you by.
0: Oh man, that was a that was a real highlight of this podcast. Actually, oh, I really enjoyed it. It was, yeah, it was a,
1: good... a good time. Um, I wonder what the Il Postino challenge would be.
0: Write a poem.
1: The scenes when he's talking into the mic about well, yeah. Write a poem. <laughs> <laughs> That's your homework, listeners. It.
0: Write a poem yeah. about <laughs> about Pablo Neruda or about write a poem as the world's greatest Cuban poet. That's yep. Your, <laughs> that's that's who is homework. the
1: world's greatest Cuban poet? Uh, that's what I we're going to find out. I know out. any Cuban poets. Yeah. Cuban poets get in touch. I know you listen every week.
0: <laughs> We've got a big contingent of really famous Cuban poets. Um yeah, there's there's not many on Wikipedia. I'm just searching Cuban poets now. This is this is my homework is finding out about Cuban poets.
1: Yeah, we should do our homework.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um <laughs> Yeah, so uh Nicolas Guien is a Cuban poet. Cool. Um He's our boy. Yeah. He's our new fave. He's our new fave. He's our new Cuban poet of the of the world right now. But if you have if you want to contradict that with your own favorite cuban poet get in touch we'd love to hear from you please do yeah um (laughs) we'd love to hear
1: more about that but no the scene where like he's recording his little message for pablo neruda that never gets sent to him you could you could dub some bullshit over the top of that i guess
0: yeah we could do that but just have the entirety of one of our episodes of the podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is how we record (laughs) Little, little peek at our home studios in lockdown. I'm just
0: spitting balls out onto the floor. <laughs> this MF spitting. In, in in hope that it will one day attract my true love. Um. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Table football balls. Yeah. The sort of weirdly sized round little white boys.
0: Yes, yeah. Oh, table that was football. a weird
1: scene, wasn't it? Where like he goes into the the bar where she works and she's just like playing table football on her own and he just joins her and plays and they don't say a word.
0: It is it is very strange, really strange. Um but
1: I mean it's like what are you 4 years old?
0: That's true love. That's true love right there. That's how um, love works. <laughs> it is. It is. Um but uh but yeah, so so the the, the love interest played by Maria Grazia Cucinotta um, who turned up in a movie that I watched recently called The Right, where Anthony Hopkins is an exorcist.
1: and The Right as in R-I-T-E. Yep. Not The Right as in Ben Shapiro. <laughs>
0: ben Shapiro. Um, yeah, no, not that one, where she turns up as a character called Aunt Andrea, and I don't remember her at all in that movie, but apparently she's in it um all right but she, that's good but she's know. good in this and she's had a, a, a an extensive career um she plays sideshow bob's wife in the episode where sideshow bob gets married in italy if you remember <laughs> that episode it's not a very good one but it does exist um i do not <laughs> um but um but yeah so she's had a yeah. had a really
1: sideshow bob thing that really stayed with stayed with me is that he's got a tattoo saying die bart die and he gets very that by saying it's german for the bart there
0: it's the bart the <laughs> um <laughs> yes um but yes yeah, so actually she's had a long long and extensive career um which has been good to she see. was in
1: the world is not enough was it you? I was talking to about this film the other day. No, I was talking to my brother-in-law about Pierce Brosnan's Bond films. Oh, I love Pierce. Apparently, she was in that. I
0: love the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies.
1: Yeah, same. Um, I think Goldeneye the, might be my fave.
0: Goldeneye is possibly the best James Bond movie. Um, like, I do really like the Daniel Craig ones in terms of them being objectively good films. They're possibly the only James Bond movies to be. Apart from Quantum of Solace. (laughs) They're they're, they're possibly the only James Bond movies to be objectively good films. But God, I love GoldenEye. And I love The World Is Not Enough. Um, Die Another Day is not good.
1: Is that the one with the car on the ice? Yeah, Madonna. That's really stupid. (laughs)
0: Um, But what's the other one? Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is a good one. Where there's the terrifying sociopath media mogul. Um, yeah, which is which is another great one. So yeah, Brosnan Brosnan Bond is, I think is underrated, and I think it should be for sure reevaluated um, in the modern uh, in the modern lens. I think. Um, First
1: Brosnan is our king.
0: Yeah, we love him. He's the only thing that could have made this movie better. Could you imagine him as anybody?
1: Oh, as anybody doing <laughs> a wonderful route. Italian accent? I mean, he he proved. <laughs> He proved to us recently that he can do an Icelandic accent, so anything's possible.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um,
1: so. He's just standing there, yeah, as Pablo Neruda come, comes out of his door and goes, there's no post. Why didn't you tell me? Why
0: didn't you tell me?
1: <laughs> See the Eurovision episode for what that <laughs> what that's about. Yeah.
0: Um, but-,
1: but the guy who played Pablo Neruda was very good, and... Was quite a good likeness, I yes, thought, from yeah. having uh, seen pictures. Uh, uh,
0: an established French actor, um, Philippe, Philippe Noiret, who is in an awful lot. Um, is in Cinema Paradiso, which is a, a
1: yeah, that's a film that I wanted to watch as well. And was kind of weighing it up and choosing something that, when you would be Italian and serious and good, I was like, we could do that.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, which, which is is apparently very good. Again, I've not seen it because I am an uncultured swine. Um, but, um, but yeah, I've heard, it's I've good. heard very good things about it. Um, and then our, our main man, uh, Massimo Troisi, who, you know, famously, um, nominated for an Oscar posthumously died, yeah. um, a week, two weeks after the f- end of filming of Il Postino. I read
1: somewhere that it was only 12 hours after they finished filming. Oh, wow. That he had a heart attack and died because he had like he had a heart condition and he was like apparently really ill during the filming, which is just and he like postponed his heart surgery. So if it wasn't for the film, he might have lived a long and happy life, which is just the worst kind of tragedy to attach to a film. But there is also something in the fact that he felt like he really really had to complete this film and had to do it because um, he was involved in the writing and directing and stuff as well and it was obviously a real passion project for him so the fact that he got it out there and it is this wonderful film that he did it he did achieve that aim um yeah makes me want to cry
0: it is yeah it's really tragic isn't it um given how successful it's been and how um you know how how powerful it is and how long its legacy has lasted um it's yeah it is really really quite something um, and I, 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 I did really enjoy watching this movie. Um,
1: good, I'm it, really good. It was.
0: I was not in the right frame of mind to watch it because I've had a very stressful week and I haven't had very much free time, and so I had to go. Fuck's sake! I've got to actually watch this movie. I can't just chuck <laughs> it on and keep an eye. On you it mean
1: so Pablo Neruda's stern face lecturing you about poetry doesn't relax you? <laughs> it did
0: not relax me. But I, in in a way, it was really nice to. Have that kind of snapshot of of life on a small island, um, which is which is you know that kind of rural European lifestyle. It exists and it is wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking speaking from experience, not in Italy but in France, it's a really incredible way of living. Um, that is a far cry from the bullshit that we have to put up with in this <laughs> country.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, the fish the fishermen in this film seemed like a bunch of nice guys, didn't they? Yeah. Fishermen in this country. Awful the <laughs> they're,
0: they're constantly hanging out with Nigel Farage. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> he cares so much about their waters, man, he, and about fishing really, rights. He really,
0: he cares a little bit too much. It makes me think that he's got a thing about fish like Troy McClure. To bring it Oh yeah, to, yeah. Back to the Simpsons again. <laughs> um
1: yeah, this could just be our Simpsons special this, episode. Yeah. It? We
0: could watch the Simpsons movie, couldn't we for for this? We could. We could. It would come out.
1: I think I've only seen it once when it came out and I think I was, you know, whelmed.
0: <laughs> Thoroughly whelmed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, um, it's it's great. It's a good film. Um, you've yeah. got to be in the right you, frame. You say it's great, even. Yeah, but I, I do think you've got to be in the right frame of mind to watch it. I don't think you could just go, or oh, you know what, I feel like watching Il Postino today. I think you've got to yeah. you've got to be in them in the kind of mood where you're willing to be to to sit there and soak up the um, the atmosphere more than being engaged in a plot, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and the the beautiful Italian music and you know the setting and sort of that stuff. It's it's quite a slow film as well, so you can let it wash over you but you do have to you know pay attention and engage and not just because you have to read and that's for nerds you know it's it's because there's a lot actually a lot going on behind the scenes isn't it i feel like massimo troisi i think he says so much with his face he's one of those actors where his facial expressions and the way he the way he talks give away so much more than the words he's saying you know
0: yes yeah definitely definitely
1: And he was like, he was known as a comic actor as well. And I've now, you know, I haven't seen him in anything else. I'd be really, really interested to see some of his other work and to see, you know, see him being a genuinely really, really funny and goofy guy. Because there's a very, very slight goof factor to this that I think rescues it from being overly serious. But it's still quite a serious film.
0: Yeah, there is, isn't there? There's that kind of light humour to it. Um, Almost sort of situational and observational humour. Um, and and it kind of generally comes across in sort of the ways that that Neruda talks to Il Postino himself. Um, Mario, Mario's name, yeah, Mario. You got a Mario Ruopolo.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like I've fallen in love with a woman. She's in another castle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, but but a, a lo-
1: and Cooper Naruda is there a, a lot of the time. And he's like vote for Cooper
0: <laughs> a lot of the time. Neruda sort of says things like, um, uh, "You're you're as white as a bag of flour" or things like that. They're kind of just just nice little nice little similes and things like that. That
1: really because like, he is truly a poet. Yeah,
0: the one thing you need to know about poets is that they never fucking turn off. They're constantly <laughs> in poet mode. Um, And it's very cute In a movie Can you imagine how insufferable It would be in real life Uh, His wife didn't seem to mind Because she is also A poet I assume
1: Yeah and you know she's also lived For thousands of years
0: (laughs) Yeah she's probably enjoying it as a bit of a novelty So she's Um,
1: like I I can deal with this for a little bit
0: Imagine you're like How are you today Pablo I'm like a summer breeze Over a bag of ash. It's like, what the fuck does that mean, Pablo? <laughs> yeah.
1: And like the ice cream you can never have because it's on the wind.
0: Yet so sweet. It's like is that good? Is it bad? What's going on? Yeah.
1: It's like, I'm on the shore. Imagine but I'm not on the Imagine shore. him at the doctor's. I am office. not sure.
0: <laughs> it's like, so where is the pain? It's in the hearts of every living thing. It's like no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It's all around us. Do you mean you don't see?
0: (laughs) And 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 it it's funny. It kind of made me reminisce about. I I can't remember if you uh, you were there or not. But going to see that documentary about Derrida for our um, our undergraduate degrees. Did you?
1: I did not go to see any documentary about Derrida. I read a bit of his work and I fucking hated it. And I was like, I I'm not engaging. It was it was
0: a compulsory. screening in our first year i think maybe i did and it was at like
1: my my recollection of that year is very very hazy it was i was very drunk
0: <laughs> it was at like 8 30 in the morning and i went up there with one other person from the course and and the other people were like no it's too early i'm way too hungover, and there was about 15 of us in the giant <laughs> giant lecture hall who had made it, and it was basically Derrida walking around his house in a bathrobe, being an asshole to the person who was interviewing him. And and this really remod- we should watch that for this podcast. I, I, we should. We definitely should. Uh, but this really reminded me of that. Those those early scenes with Naruda, where he's just like, "What's a metaphor? This is a metaphor." Blah 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 blah. Where he, he wasn't giving clear answers to anything and sort of refusing to help. Was like, oh man, there's some definite Derrida about him.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that I wasn't there. I, yeah. I do have quite a vivid memory, although, yeah, as I said, my memory of that year is very hazy. I have a very vivid memory of, you know, there was that Starbucks on campus that was, like, upstairs in the main bit of Devonshire House. Yes, yeah. And it had, like, um, cushions and carpets that looked like they'd come out of a, a train. And, like, I remember sitting in there with that giant white textbook that we had and trying to read this extract of Derrida and just thinking...
0: Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, post-structuralism, man. That's where it's and at. And that
1: was honestly the first time on that course where I'd got to something where I was like, okay, this. Uh, some of the other stuff I'd been like, this is a bit of a slog. Yeah, I don't need to read Genesis, the Bible, bollocks. But I was like, this genuinely, fuck this. I think it was the first time I, I <laughs> in studying literature that I genuinely thought, fuck this.
0: <laughs> You've done Shakespeare so many times, but Derrida is what broke you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He was the Frenchman that broke the camel's hump.
0: <laughs> See, I I really, I hated studying Derrida, but I had a real respect for it because it was just the kind of absolute fucking literary bullshit that I was like, no, I'm going to get through this this post structuralist deconstruction nonsense because at some point it's going to be useful and I'm going to be able to just drop it somewhere and it will be really handy for an essay. Yeah.
1: Um you know, somewhere, you know, twelve years later, you know, fourteen years later, we'll be make we'll be doing a podcast and it will come up then and we can talk about it then.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I had to
1: do the maths in my head then <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, I wonder if we can pick it up anywhere. It was, it's, Derrida. yeah, the Derrida documentary. Nah, you
1: can't, you can't get hold of Derrida.
0: It's, uh, it's a post-structural release, um, release service, isn't it? Where you just Yeah, can't...
1: it's li- linked, to literally everything else.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, w- I wonder how easy it is to get the documentary about Derrida. We can watch it for this podcast. I'm, sure it's like this, I'm gonna I'm...
1: You know what Derrida would love about today's cultural landscape LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> I I do sometimes wonder what these kind of theorists would think about the modern day. You know, a, a lot changed because Derrida died in 2004. And I wonder, you know, a lot has changed since then. Would he look at Twitter and think, you fucking arseholes. You fucking <laughs> I'm arseholes. sure he would.
1: Yeah.
0: Or, or w- he would not tweet. Or would he be one of those people that's on there and just shit posting for the hell of it?
1: Uh, Yeah, a man who's willing to be filmed in a bathrobe being an arsehole maybe is a bit of a shit poster isn't he?
0: Yeah, so I I wonder if he just put stuff up and do kind of an anti-JK Rowling deliberately so sort of like oh yeah, this whole whole book of mine is about porridge, you arseholes, you read too much into it
1: Yeah (laughs) and and all the characters are retroactively gay
0: (laughs) (laughs) well-known characters of Derrida's theory work yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> welcome to the Derrida cast everybody.
1: Yeah. Um do you think he'd be like performatively woke?
0: Yeah, he definitely he definitely would. He but he
1: performatively woke but then also very very clear that he hates trans people.
0: <laughs> no, I think Derrida would be deliberately provocative of the alt right. Cuz he was he was big into um he was big into anti-racism, wasn't he, Derrida? Yeah. Um so, yeah, I reckon he would be deliberately provocative of people like Turning Point USA and Katie Hopkins. Oh, he people. would just be constantly pissing off Katie Hopkins. Yeah,
1: I'd like to think so. He'd
0: he'd be out there on a boat helping our, these asylum seekers into the country, giving them, giving them Mackie D's on the way home, that kind of thing. He'd just be out there. And then
1: teaching them the art of shitposting. And <laughs>
0: teaching them the art of shitposting, yeah. In, in this podcast, we stand not the works of Derrida, but what he represented, which is... Yeah, academic shitposting. Which is academic shitposting. <laughs> um, anyway, right, Il Postino, back to Il Postino.
1: Yeah, I would like to hope that Derrida and Pablo Neruda are shitposting together in heaven.
0: I, I, I think they are. I think they are. Um.
1: Yeah. But yeah, as you as you say, the politics stuff is there, but it's very much in the background, isn't it? But then it suddenly becomes very, very important because at the end of the film, it turns out Mario died um, at a communist rally when he was um, getting up to read one of his poems, which is like really massively powerful and feels not not incongruous because it's a very very it's a fitting end to what's a, a romantic film where you, you always feel that there's an, there's some kind of tragedy about to happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's it is kind of odd that it's just there in the background, isn't it?
0: Yeah, you're right. It's it is strange that it just kind of it happens, and it's it's very bittersweet. And I'm not sure if it's based on real events. It's based on a novel, um, isn't it? Yeah, but
1: it's it's very much fiction. Yeah. the book as far as I understand. Which it. which
0: which makes it very bittersweet because it feels very unsatisfactory. And I suppose maybe that's part of the point, as it's meant to be. And life is fleeting. You never know when you're Life is get, fleeting, so write
1: poems. You never
0: know when you're going to get killed at a communist rally, that kind of thing. Yeah, so write um,
1: poems, use metaphors, walk by the shore.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, but it is. I don't know the end. The end disappointed me a little bit, and it was very impactful because you're like, oh man, he never got to see his kid. But yeah, at the same time, it's a kind of. I wish there'd been a little bit more of a satisfying conclusion, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. It might have actually been enough for Pablo Neruda just to come back and say, hey, how you doing?
0: Yeah, he just turns up again and is like, what's up?
1: Yeah, and he's like, I kept your poems." Here's my
0: friend Derrida. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> or they do like 20 years down the line, Pablo Neruda's dead and actually they haven't spoken or something. Um, but like he gets a package in the mail and it's a tape that Pablo Neruda recorded for him of some poems.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. Something like that I think would be...
1: Should have involved the giant weird tape machine. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, It needed to be there, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it's also that it ends with the like black and white um, footage of the crowds and stuff, which feels very incongruous with the like um, tonally and aesthetically with the rest of the film as well. And that's the intention. But yeah, the way that it ends there, it's like, oh wow, here we go. Okay, he's dead.
0: Yeah, that's poetry. That is, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd end, isn't it? Yeah. For for me at least. Um, but I'm, I'm glad it's here. I'm glad it's, it's here and it's lovely and sad and it's Italian.
1: It's sad, but good.
0: Yeah. Sad, but good.
1: Which is the thing that we love on this show.
0: Yeah. Sad, but good is, is our thing, isn't it? It's what what we want. Sad but good
1: <laughs> um, Yeah. So yeah a, a a lovely film And one that as you say You have to be in the right frame of mind for I think I was in the right frame of mind for it It was Sunday night or Monday night Whatever And I was you know I was chill I'd had an okay day Put my feet up Watch Il Postino Why
0: not? Oh well, I'm glad that you were in the right frame of mind
1: Yeah And did you, did you find it sort of believable, the journey that he takes from sort of knowing nothing about poetry, but having this interest in it because it can woo women and then to like finding out about metaphors and stuff. All that stuff is very, very nice, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. And it feel, it does feel real because poetry, although I think, I think particularly now poetry is an incredibly niche thing. And I think... There's a lot of snobbery around it. And I think it's very hard for people to break into it. Like I, I remember, I can't remember her name, but there's that female poet who everyone scoffs, even though her books are very, very popular. As... Rupee Kaur. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's because um, she does it on Instagram.
0: Right. Okay. Um,
1: real poets don't use Instagram. Yeah. Re- right.
0: real Real poets make 500 pounds a year and as subsidised by their incredibly rich parents. That's that's what real yeah. poets do these days. Um, and so, so that kind of always puts me off a little bit from poetry, is is there is that kind of snobbery around it about how there's real poetry and then there's popular poetry. And, and so it's quite refreshing to see a movie where it's just like, yeah, he's a postman who wants to write some nice poems. So that's what it should be about. There shouldn't be yeah. that... That limitation about how oh your poems rhyme. I know this is a really old example, but oh your poems rhyme—they're <laughs> well rubbish.
1: How dare you have your poems rhyme? How dare the words flow nicely <laughs> off and roll off the tongue? How dare you?
0: Um, yeah,
1: you cheap arrogant bastard. Yeah, what with your one point two million followers? <laughs> how dare you?
0: <laughs> yeah, and and so I I find the snobbery around around poetry in particular very frustrating and that's why i don't really read a lot of it because i've got other shit to do as we've established (laughs) other than read poems yeah, other than read poems like hanging out on a podcast with you Um, yeah this is true
1: and this is a form of poetry
0: we are poets of the spoken word
1: yeah poets of criticism
0: Exactly, exactly. Um But yes. Yeah, so,
1: you know, I don't see what we do as criticism so much as, as poetry. Yeah, it is. Reflective and responsive poetry. And
0: sometimes we rhyme from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um yes.
1: Yeah. Or it, it's somewhere between poetry and shit posting.
0: Showetry. Yeah. Pit posting. <laughs> exactly. Um so uh
1: but you, but you do enjoy poetry as a thing.
0: Yeah, I enjoy it as a thing, but I pick and choose what I read and I don't read a lot of it these days because I find it's an incredibly niche area. A bit like, um, you know how until very recently superhero comics have become that really niche thing um, yeah. where you've got to understand 20 years of lore to understand what the hell's going on and at the end of it it's some bullshit like Batman has a secret brother, or whatever the fuck's yeah. going on in 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 Batman these days. I, I, I,
1: sad I, Batman is. I, sad.
0: It, it's the it's the posh equivalent of that, isn't it? Poetry is. Yeah. Um, you you have to have been in, you have to have been embroiled in it for a really long time, and know exactly what's good according to everyone else and what's bad according to everyone else. Otherwise, you're going to be excluded from it, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Or, You can't just write a poem. No. Jesus. No, you've got to... That's not how it works. You've got to put
0: in the the groundwork to know why this word is shit.
1: You can't just express yourself. Who do you think you are? You postman.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um,
1: But I I loved so much that this film was the exact opposite of that. And actually, kind of the the first time where they actually talk about poetry, I think is just a wonderful scene. And maybe one one of my favourite scenes in cinema... And he says to, um, he's been reading a bit of Naruda's poetry and he says to him, you know, where you say, I, you felt tired of being a man. He says, I have also felt tired of being a man, but I didn't know how to say it. And he's sort of having that realization about how to express yourself. And both of them, it's a conversation where men on screen are talking about their feelings. And that's something, unfortunately you don't see as often as you should. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and I think that's a really big part of it, isn't it? Is you can, it is that gateway into actually talking about how you feel and discussing how you feel, um, and it, it, it and it's refreshing to see that done in such a uh, a, a non gender specific, non classist way as it is in this film. Um, and it's it's that kind of thing that's been been lost along the way, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And I, I appreciated, you know, as, as, as I said, how much of this film does have men talking about their feelings and expressing themselves, and even though it's, it's old, it's very, very relevant for now, I think, and especially with, with poetry as well, an, an important thing. I think the people who are trying to take poetry off the U.K. curriculum for, for schools should watch this film as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Um, there's some good lines where you know Naruda talks about poetry and explains why it's good and what it is and and that kind of thing in a non patronizing way to the simple postman that's that's a very very nice thing for I think anyone anyone could watch and enjoy this film, regardless of your interest in poetry and it might you know wake you up to a few things it made me want to go and read some poetry anyway and and
0: that's what you need isn't it you need um a way to get to to people who wouldn't necessarily be interested. Um and, and that's that's what poetry needs. It needs that populist element back where people can just that accessibility, I suppose, where people can just get back into it in that way. And and this is this movie does kind of explain why poetry is important and why it's such a powerful tool for expressing oneself, um, in a way that I think a lot of people don't don't look at it. So here's what they should do. They should Make kids watch this movie and take off some of the English bullshit off the curriculum and put something else in instead.
1: Yeah, that's actually a good idea as well because yeah, it'd be good for them to see it through a non English lens yes, as well. Yes, exactly. Instead of whatever fucking Victorian shit is on the <laughs> curriculum, get rid of it all, add Il Postino, add some sexy poems by Pablo Neruda. Yeah, that's what. They're too young to know that it's problematic. That's what, that's what
0: kids want. They want sexy poems.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because not only is poetry a very, very important way to express yourself and to understand and to process your feelings, it can be sexy as well.
0: It can be sexy. All the best poems are sexy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Especially Kublai Khan.
0: Um, Right, so have you got anything else?
1: I wondered sexy as a cloud.
0: (laughs) Play town high. They're called,
1: yeah, they're called the romantic poets for a reason, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, have you got anything else you want to share about this movie?
1: Um, I don't think so, no, just that I I really really enjoyed it, and uh, it's a film that I would watch again, as you say, when in the right frame of mind, and I think everyone should watch this film when when they're in the mood for it. It's one that I, you know, I don't always necessarily recommend that everyone watch the film that we watched um, every week, but I think this is something that, I, that hopefully should have universal appeal, and I think everyone can take something from this film and it's lovely, it's beautiful, it's slow. It washes over you and, you know, it's one of those films that if you ever look it up, look up criticism of it or ratings or whatever, it always ha- almost always you'll see that it has universal acclaim and that is, you know, that is for a reason. Yeah. It's good.
0: Oscar-winning, Oscar-nominated movie. Worth the hype and it's good. So I I've, I've got a little bit of trivia for you. I won't I won't go into all of it. Um But um, this was the last film that was rated U to be nominated for the Best Picture Oscar. Um, And I guess part of that is um, because a lot of U-rated movies since then have fallen into the animated Best Feature category. So I think the Oscars kind of shove them into there rather than into the main one. Um, but really how often do you get a U these it's days? true, you don't get them. Everything's PG uh no twelve A, isn't it? Everything's twelve A in the Yeah, country. everything's a twelve A. Everything's PG yeah. thirteen in America. Um Yeah. Um yeah, so so yeah, so that's um so so that's interesting. And then in terms of other nominations, um it was the only film that year nominated for Best Picture of the Academy Awards and not in any best motion picture category at the Golden Globes. So, Golden Globes. Oh, have no, time. Interesting.
1: Well, no time for this. Fuck movie. you, the Golden get, Globes. Get out! <laughs> I've got to... They've they've clearly never read a poem.
0: <laughs> no, they only like inaccessible poetry for rich people. That's. Oh, I see. Right, oh, they, they they're trying. The they're trying to yeah. make poetry accessible to a postman. Get out of here,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mister Golden Globe.
0: <laughs> yes. Um and the uh, a little bit final bit for you the theatrical run in new york was so long that it was still in theaters after the video release and its premium wow. cable run it was in theaters for almost 2 years apparently that's amazing um, which is yeah quite something
1: and it's it's great that it had that appeal in, around the world as well
0: yes yeah for for what could be very niche um it's it really reached a lot of people didn't it
1: yeah, yeah. How many other Italian language films about a postman enjoying poetry are there that have been well received globally?
0: Exactly. The only one I can think of is the sexy boy, uh, sexy post boy.
1: The sexy post boy. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that film. It
0: was, a, yeah. it was a storm. That was that was in New York theaters for fifteen years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like the people in New York, they just can't get enough of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah can I just say as well that I didn't know I didn't choose this film because there's a bunch of shit going on with the US Postal Service and it's become like a really big deal out there I genuinely had no idea that, that was happening until after I'd chosen this film but it's timely it is
0: very timely um, yeah and so uh, I was thinking oh I could pick the postman you could you definitely Kevin could Costner, but I have no idea if there is anywhere near sufficient romance in that movie
1: we're going to see if we can do as many films that are related to postal workers as, as possible <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly
1: um, do we end up at Postman Pat the movie? Postman
0: Pat, is there a Postman Pat the movie? Does that exist? There must be I'm kind of
1: I'm, sh- I'm sure there is.
0: I'm kind of sad if there is because I remember the show was just he's got to deliver some post, uh oh there's a cow on the road oh don't worry, yeah. he found a way around the cow the end <laughs>
1: The milkman has his milk truck's broken down.
0: Yep. Oh well, don't worry, it's fixed and the post has been delivered. The end. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I, I don't think I can choose the postman. Maybe I could watch it myself, and then we can decide whether it's sufficient.
1: Are you in the right frame of mind?
0: In, in the right frame of mind for the postman? I don't think I am. It's. It is not a good film, shall we say. Um, but there is. I,
1: I'm always in the right frame of mind for a post-apocalyptic postman.
0: <laughs> but there is a movie that's come up on my Netflix and keeps coming up. Constantly. Hang on, we need to
1: rate Il Postino. Phil. Oh shit,
0: we do, don't we? Um, how many, uh, how many poems would you deliver to a woman that you've only spoken to once in a bar before she falls in love with you?
1: <laughs> you only played table football with her once. Uh, I would deliver. 17 let's go 17 oh, very
0: good um
1: so yeah it's pretty it's a pretty high score you know it's it's not like the greatest motion picture ever made but there's it's there's something really really special and lovely about it and i want people to watch it so i'm gonna give it a high score yeah and i'll give
0: it a 16 one less because I'm a grumpy bastard and I was like not in the right frame of mind for it but it is a great movie uh, okay hey,
1: that's a that's a high score for you
0: yeah if, if I'm in a bad mood i very rarely score things that high <laughs> but it i could i could I could identify that this is an objectively good film and there's a lot to really enjoy about it. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was on board with this. This was great. And more people should watch it.
1: Sweet. Please, please tell me what rubbish we're watching on Netflix
0: now. Oh, who knows? Maybe it's going to be amazing. I don't think so though. Um, But there's a movie from last year called only, which keeps showing up as the first thing on my Netflix. Um,
1: I've, I've no idea what this is uh, Your Netflix must be very different to mine
0: um, A couple must endure A self-imposed quarantine And elude authorities After a mysterious virus proves lethal To the world's female population Ooh, okay I'm listening It is apparently romantic, it has Frida Pinto in it Oh, and Leslie Odom yeah. Jr So it's got some good people A man from Hamilton Um, But it looks like I don't know. I get the sense it might be a trash fire because I'd never heard of this movie before in my life. Yeah. But we're going to... But it looks, it looks interesting. We're going to find out. And we're in the middle of a, yeah. a, a pandemic. And let's see how badly it could go if we were in a movie instead of real life.
1: Yeah. Post-apocalyptic romance, I'm down. Yeah. Cool. Brilliant. Well... Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. On the emails, bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail dot com. Please tell me you did watch Il Postino and you liked it because it's great.
0: If you didn't, don't tell us.
1: Yeah, just don't lie and us. say
0: you did like it.
1: Go and write a poem about it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> write a poem about how much you enjoyed it or how much you didn't enjoy it.
1: Yeah, express yourself.
0: Yeah, that's that's the most important thing. That's what your takeaway should be from this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We teach all the important lessons, unlike the British curriculum.
0: Yeah, which is all about bloody Shakespeare and Dickens. Shakespeare, Dickens,
1: King Arthur and Hitler. Those hacks. (laughs) All of of the worst poets.
0: (laughs) Hitler, renowned for his shit poetry. Yeah. Why do you think he was so mad? It's just, oh, fuck me. I don't know what metaphor is.
1: He was a shit poet, and boy did he know it. Yeah.
0: So in short, right-wing people can't do poetry. <laughs> That's yep. a takeaway.
1: <clears throat> we, all, all of this was just leading up to saying, you know, Hitler was bad.
0: Yeah, Hitler was not good. Yeah. It's not something that you... You might sh-
1: even say he was shit. <laughs>
0: it's not something you should need reminding on, but in this day and age, given the current state of the world, you probably H- do you need never reminding, know. don't you?
1: Yeah, very bad. So yeah, go, go and write some poems. And if you like what we do, you can give us money. There's a link in the um, show description to our ACAST supporter page. There's no like monthly obligation or anything. Just if you feel like giving us a tip, hit that.
0: Yes, yeah, please do.
1: And um, please remember to leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcast. helps more people find the show and engage with our um, audio posting.
0: Yeah, if you want to see us talk more bullshit, then, you know, that's what you got to do.
1: Yeah. And um, we'll be back next week to talk about, what's it called? Only? Only, yes. Only. Alrighty. All right. Bye-bye. Il postino El Pastino. Aye.
2: I-